CDs for a penny show where we talk about mild music mags and culture and stuff in Jackson, Maine. This is a very special episode where I'm joined by Noyan Hilmi and John Waller to talk about Chart Magazine's March 2005 issue and their top 50 Canadian albums of all time. So it's an all Canadian episode, which I'm really excited about. This is a Canadian show, and we're finally dedicating an entire episode exclusively to Canadian content. If you know Chart Magazine, you know what kind of music they love, and that's indie rock, which was the coolest genre to a large group of fans for a long time. But we talk about our likes and dislikes on this list, what has aged well, what hasn't about it, and a whole bunch of cultural issues surrounding it. In a way, this list is really dated, but in another way, it's really, really relevant. So to quote Propagandi, let's talk more rock. Let's get into Chart Magazine, March 2005. All right, hey guys, welcome. How you doing? Noyen and uh, John are here with me. We're going to be talking about the Chart Magazine Top 50 Canadian Albums of All Time. This is the 2005 list. They had a 96 list and they had a 2000s list. This is the 2005 list, guys. Welcome. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah. This is a huge list uh, and there's a lot to talk about. So I feel like we kind of just have to dive right in or uh, we're never going to get through it all. <laughs> so I think we should just uh, go for it. Sounds good. This list was made in 2005. We're going to see a lot of uh, quite contemporary artists listed on here, but also a lot of classic albums, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It's pretty diverse. There'll be a lot to talk about, but uh, let's kick it off. Number 50 is the Matthew Good Band, Beautiful Midnight, 1999. I have no problem with this. I think Matthew Goodband should be on this list. Ranked at 50, I'm fine with that. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. In terms of Canadian rock bands, they definitely have a place. Um, if you're thinking about all Canadian rock bands ever, I think number 50 probably is deserving. You know, that I don't think they need to be too much higher than that. No, me neither. Yeah, it's a solid album. Yeah, it's totally fine. There's good, uh, good singles, stuff that everybody knows on it. Hello, Time Bomb, Load Me Up, Strange Days. Yeah. I've heard these on the radio for the past 20 years. It's still the test of time. It's totally good. I loved Load Me Up, so yeah, I'm good <laughs> with it. Awesome. Okay, number 49 is Our Lady Peace, Clumsy, 1997. Again, I don't think you can really do this list without putting Our Lady Peace on. They were a really big band. I have no problem with them being at number 49. They were a really big band, but I, I, I'm not sold on this album for this list. Yeah, uh, I, I I really liked them. I thought I thought they uh, they had like a string of maybe like two or three records in the like mid to late '90s that were really really strong. And I think that this was like their peak. This is kind of when they they moved out of Navid and that kind of like more like organic kind of I don't even know how to describe like the bass lines and stuff and went into something that was a little bit more alternative and radio friendly. So. I, I, I dig it. They're a really good live band, too. So good singles on this. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Our Lady Peace and Matthew Good Band, I think Our Lady Peace are like just that much bigger than Matthew Good. I think they're they're sitting pretty at 49 and 50. 
Number 48 is Death From Above, 1979. You're a Woman, I'm a Machine, 2004. Debut record, 100%. I love this record. I think it's one of the most unique records and bands of... It's certainly in Canadian music, possibly uh, in the history of pop music. This is 2004. This list was made in 2005. So pushing it a little bit, putting these guys on. But at the same time, it's aged very well. I totally agree uh, with them putting it on. It's it's pretty high on the list, but that's fine. Well, I think that'll be a recurring topic as we go through the list of, you know, 2003, 2004 albums and, you know, which ones... Uh, did it seem too soon to sort of christen his classics? I mean, I have no problem with this one. No, Although I, I did miss this band. This band sort of passed me by at the time, and I didn't listen to, for some reason, I didn't listen to this until later. But yeah, it's solid and holds up and is a classic. Definitely a very original band, like a sound that no one else had ever heard before. Um, and uh, an amazing song to pump in the car. If you're driving somewhere, it's awesome. Yeah, pretty much front to back, this album has held up incredibly well. So, yeah, as John said, we're going to get into this a lot with uh, pretty contemporary artists for the time on this list. So we'll uh, we'll forge ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll address all that a little later, probably. Number 47 is Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, 1995. Shocked this isn't higher. Yeah, me too. This is, you know, again, we can maybe delve into this a bit more later, but if we were talking right now, which we should, this is, I think, a bit of a slap in the face. No pun intended on this uh, <laughs> on the song, but uh, that this was at 47. You know, as we move through this list and we see what other records beat this out, yeah, I, I don't get this, to be honest. Yeah, I totally... I think that this is really just a function of um, chart kind of making sure that they're acknowledging this record and that that it is important, but not necessarily um, putting too many uh, charity bands um, behind it or ahead of it, you know, just making sure it's in the right spot. For sure. And as we move through this list, we're definitely going to see where uh, charts allegiance lies in, you know, Canadian music. They're obviously a very indie friendly magazine this is where they slant towards Alanis Morissette obviously one of the biggest Canadian artists ever this album sold 33 million copies uh, it had six huge singles it dominated pop culture and music for two years of the 90s I, I'm 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 pretty shocked that they couldn't put this a little higher but you know as we run through you know it'll become obvious maybe why that they've put it here number 46 is the cowboy junkies trinity sessions 1988 so the trinity sessions when they uh, recorded at the trinity church on young street and out of this came the sweet jane cover which was obviously a big huge hit for them kind of a breakout thing for them yep good 46 okay number 45 is rufus wainwright rufus wainwright uh self-titled 1998 debut record Number 45, good spot for him, I suppose. Uh, maybe it could be a bit higher. I think uh, this is a really strong record. I think it's a yeah. very, uh, for this list, it's a very unique record and uh, very sort of musically accomplished. Yeah, and I, I think that's another thing we're going to find, that this is a very rock-heavy uh, list. And so uh, albums like this kind of stick out like a sore thumb, and you could argue that they in terms of actual 
uh, musical quality do deserve to be higher. But I, I will say that this record, I did listen to this record a lot when it came out, and the whole record from front to back is really, really fantastic. Amazing um, songwriting orchestration um, in terms of his honesty and uh, lyrics. It's it's really fantastic. So I'm glad it's on here. Uh, and I, I, I probably would have put it a little bit higher, to be honest. Yeah, I would too. Like judging some of the other things we're going to come up, this could be higher. But again, it's tough. There's, you know, there's only there's only 50 records. There's 50 spots. They got to pick a place. I don't know. Number 44 is Rio Statics Melville, 1991. It was never... This is a personal favorite of mine, so I'm I'm glad to uh, see it here. And I think 44 is a good spot for it. As much as I uh, love this record, I wouldn't necessarily argue it for uh, for it to be any higher. Yeah, I agree. Not I've never been the biggest Rio Statics fan. But, uh, no, I, I 100% deserve to be on this list. Uh, they are the godfathers of Canadian indie rock, I would argue. I never got into them as, like, album listeners, like an album listening. Um, but there was a few singles that I, I really, really loved. And uh, um, I think I want to listen to this record a bit more, so. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Number 43 is Feist, Let It Die, 2004 another 2004 entry but uh yeah i think 100 this has aged incredibly well they made a good decision putting this on this list i don't see how they couldn't have at the time so bravo excellent record yeah i love this record i think it's really really good i thought that the production on it was fantastic um and i do recall it was kind of strange to me that it it always seemed kind of like a pastiche record to me because there was two versions of it um they switched out like the second last song on one version. I can't. I don't even know why they ever did this, but because I knew this, it never felt like it was like a proper flowing record to me. Even though it's a fantastic record and every song is great. Okay, number forty-two, Leonard Cohen, "Songs of Leonard Cohen," nineteen sixty-eight. Thought this would be a lot higher on this list. We're talking about really important classic Canadian artists. I think Leonard Cohen could have. Uh, leaped out of the uh, the 40s. Well, I think this is, well, maybe not the first artist we've come across, but uh, there is another Leonard Cohen album uh, to come. So it's sort of interesting seeing um, the ways they, the way they rank um, artists with multiple albums, the way they, they rank those albums. So speaking of which. <laughs> speaking of which, number 41, Sloan, Navy Blues, 1988. Sorry, 1998. Well, 100% for me. I love Sloan. This is uh, probably my second favorite Sloan record, so I would personally rank this way higher on this list, but that's just my opinion. I mean, I'm going to be the contrarian again and say this is a fine, good record. I'm not convinced on the top 50 albums of Canadian albums of all time, but sure. I, I will. I will say that. Like, I will go against and argue that I think this would definitely be on my list. I could I could bump off a lot of other artists for for this record. I think it's an awesome record, and it's as like as psychedelic and progressive as as Sloan got in their style. They kind of like reached a certain point in their songwriting and production where they were kind of just fusing songs together and kind of going with the flow. And, and to me, this is their uh, their Abbey Road. Yeah, I would agree. You know, as you see their career, the the record previous to this, one chord to another, I thought was a little 
you know, mishmashed a lot of like different songwriting, a lot of their different ideas, and they just kind of put it on one record. This is more of a fully formed record. Well, spoiler alert, we're going to have a lot more to say about Sloan. Yeah, we'll save that. Number 40 is Brian Adams' Reckless, 1984. Yeah. I got to say, guys, I actually visited this album today so that I could just uh, get a little more familiar. Uh, If you look at this record, there's six singles off of this record. Uh, No, there's five singles, but six really recognizable songs. Every one of us knows every one of these songs intimately, I'm sure. Probably sing most of the lyrics. This is an excellent, excellent record, and I feel like it's actually aged quite well being from 1984. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't listened to it for a very long time either. Like the entire album, probably since I was a kid, despite knowing all the songs. Um, and when I did go back and listen to it, uh, I think 40 is a good spot for it. It's it's not it's far from the best record on this list, but you know it is a classic Canadian rock record. Yeah, I agree. But I also kind of put it in the same category as Alanis Morissette where just a huge, huge record with a lot of really big, recognizable songs. Like, I'm looking back at some of the other ones we've already mentioned now. If we're, you know, depending on how we're judging these rankings, putting Brian Adams, I I could do 40, I could put him in the 30s even, because he's got just an an incredible amount of recognizable material on this record. So, And that has stood the test of time. It's still on the radio every single day. So, in any case great record i'm sure any like um mainstream canadian fm radio station uh probably would have put this in their top 20 for sure you're right number 39 we have neil young tonight's the night 1975 so spoiler alert everyone there's going to be some more neil young on this list it's a good record (laughs) i think the i I think the one thing that i would say about it is that there's mainstream neil records um, like that a lot of people know and then there's kind of like those other records and this is one of the records that musicians and and like indie music fans probably gravitate to a little bit more um, this on the beach and a few others right yeah i agree number 38 ugh. billy talent billy talent self-titled 2003 i would not have this on this list but <laughs> I really don't care about Billy Talent. I think they're an incredibly annoying band. But it was the times. It was, you know, two years before this. Of course, they wanted to put I mean, these it w- Yeah, it was a huge album. I think they won a, a Juno for this as well. Um, I think I just looked that up. And um, although it, it, it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we we'll, can get it later. We can get into... Um, you know, Canadian sort of punk and emo and stuff like that. And whether or not in 2005, this was the best record available of that genre. Yeah. I and not just agree. the biggest. I think this is, I kind of thought about this one quite a bit because it does sound, stand out like a little bit like a store, sore thumb, but I kind of respect that it's not all the music that I like, you know? So I think that including um, this style of band on here, uh, and maybe there should be some other bands of this ilk that should be on this list, maybe ahead of this one. Um, There was, you know, listening to it, it's it's still not up my alley, but 
like rusted was it rusted leaves and stuff like that i don't know rusted rain i don't know it's it's, it's good rock music but um i think it's fair to include it but i don't think it should be this high. it's probably like number 60 you know well yeah this could have been number 50 in my opinion i don't know why it had to be number 38 and i get it to be honest this was a very popular sound at the time so you know they wanted to include this because this was canada's version of the entire emo screamo thing that had been popularized punk so this was these were our guys that were doing this that were on the radio so makes sense but i still don't like this band moving on (laughs) number 37 sam roberts we were born in a flame 2003 it's a pretty good ranking this is his first record sam has had an incredible career since then he's put out lots of great material lots of great songs so and this is aged incredibly well i'm glad it's on here i think he's a great songwriter uh i wouldn't say that he's an underrated songwriter i think he's like he's prolific um he's very canadian which um you know a hockey player turned into a musician and he's just got great songs i think he has a good texture in his recordings and uh just a generally nice dude that it comes out in his songs right so yeah 100 i can dig it I'm, i'm glad he's on the list me too. Number 36, Blue Rodeo, Outskirts, 1987. Well, I mean, I wasn't familiar with this record before, but uh, I gave it a listen, and it is a really good record. Obviously not their most famous one, but... I'd say I'm a Blue Rodeo fan. I think that they're uh, they're uh, as popular as they are. I think that they're still uh, super underrated as songwriters, and they are Canadian gems. If yeah. you just listen to any of their songs, they, they're amazing and they should just be the top five records. <laughs> <laughs> I think kind of a little bit ahead of their time, these guys, the, the kind of fusing the bar rock with, with, uh, with country. This record is one of their earlier records, but the fact that it has try on it is this song is probably one of the top 10 best Canadian songs ever, in my personal opinion. And that itself, like, should elevate this uh, album even higher on this list. It, it's a bit older. Like, there's road, rose-colored glasses and a couple other singles, but it's by far not even their most popular record. So it's uh, it's all about try on this record. Number thirty-five, Sarah Harmer. You were here, two thousand. What a beautiful record. I love Sarah Harmer. I love her songwriting. Uh, great single off of uh, this record. Uh, I still play uh, Lodestar on my guitar every once in a while. I think this record from beginning to end is fantastic. Uh, it's delicate and personal. I, I don't, you know what, I did listen to like one or two records after this as well, but this one definitely stood out the most to me, so I'm really happy that it's on the list. Number 34, No Means No, 1988. Yeah, this was a record I had never listened to before, and I thought it was great and i'm not like a huge punk guy but uh this was both a surprise and a pleasant surprise and very deserving john i couldn't agree more this was the first time i really listened to this record i had heard a little bit of no means no but didn't really pay as much attention to them as i should have and this album blew me away actually this was my big discovery off of this list Uh, This was punk in the era of late 80s scratch acid moving into uh, like Jesus Lizard and, you know, like Wipers, like this really awesome uh, punk era in the 80s. 
and these guys like just just sick bass tone and like really growly vocals like it's not your typical punk record uh it's really unique i mean i think this should be ranked high on any punk list in my opinion number 33 super friends mock up scale down 1995 yes 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 (laughs) (laughs) i'm a huge fan of this record um this record was possibly one of my top three from the mid 90s from like the you know east coast indie rock scene uh this record has so much diverse uh songwriting on it with multiple songwriters the styles are all over the place the guitar playing with matt murphy is amazing uh i would listen to this today and enjoy it the record holds up it's fantastic Karate man. <laughs> Karate man. 10 pounds, rescue us from boredom. Oh, yeah. Like, they're all amazing. Karate man was a really hard uh, video to find on YouTube up until recently. <laughs> Could not find that, and I loved that video. Such a cute little video. <laughs> I love that song so much. Number 32. Now we're getting into it, guys. The Tragically Hip, up to here, 1989. I think, yes. This, this is a solid record. Mm-hmm. I mean, solid is kind of, I think, uh, selling it short, but... Uh, yeah, I think 32 is actually a good spot for this, uh, as we, you know, we already know the end of this list, and if anybody else wants to know the end of it, they can obviously just look it up. We're just talking about it, but I think good good placing for this record. Yeah, I think that there had to be representation from the Hips bar band days, Yeah, and, and this is definitely it. Number 31, Thrush Hermit, Clayton Park, 1999. Yeah, this was uh, an album that somehow, I don't know how I never actually listened to it. Um, And it's great. It is probably my kind of favorite semi-quasi-discovery because I knew a couple of the songs from it very well, but somehow the entire album I had never checked out. But uh, as as an album, absolutely. Songs like uh, From the Back of the Film and The Day We Hit the Coast are just so huge. Um, I don't really, when when I think about those particular songs, I feel like this album should be higher on the list just because those songs are just so fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree. I could actually put this a little higher uh, for the influence and sound that, you know, as we move through uh, this list and, you know, we're talking about very Canadian music. Yeah, I could rank it a little higher, but I think 31 is totally deserving as we, you know, go through. We'll see who's who's coming up. And the guys who beat it out, <laughs> number 30, Constantine's self-titled uh, 2001. This is a great, solid record. I'm not entirely sold on it. And I think when we get uh, in about three more, I think, we'll maybe <laughs> I'll talk a bit more about that. Sure, sure. Number 29, back to Neil Young with Russ Never Sleeps, 1978. If anybody thinks that we're just like completely dismissing Neil Young, just wait till we <laughs> wait another half an hour. <laughs> There's so much to say that we're we're just holding it in, basically. Exactly. Although, how much is there to say that hasn't been said before? But hey, it's not like considering working. how much Neil there is, I'm surprised that this, like, you could probably make a list of Neil Young's top 50 albums. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I'm actually surprised it's at number 29, um, just because he has so many other records that uh, overall, uh, as an album, probably are stronger than this, even though this is an amazing record. Sure. I mean, it's a classic. There's a lot of stuff on here that I think a lot of people really know. I mean, 
you know, not to get too into it, but obviously, you know, there's like very big Neil songs and then there's like fan favorite records that, you know, aren't songs in the radio as well. So it's tough to, it's tough to rank, but yeah, I get it. Number 28, the guess who with American woman, 1970. So obviously the guess who had to make an appearance on this list. I'm a little shocked that this is 28. I thought it would have been a little higher given how big the guess who are to Canada. It's a classic record. I mean, overall, you know, it's, I, I think it's in a good spot. You know, obviously American woman is arguably one of the biggest songs on this list. You know, the rest of it, I, it's not all bangers. So it's definitely one of the biggest exports. This, this, uh, that single, right? Which probably gives it its place on the list where it is um, on more of a indie alternative list, right? Number 27, Constantine's Shine a Light, 2003. So yeah, so now we're on to the Constantine's. They're within uh, two spots of each other on this list. They put both the current Constantine's record at the time on this list. Sure. I mean, I think Shine a Light is a great record that uh, deserves a place on a list. I think the debut is also a really good record, but having both of them here feels a bit uh, like um, music critic recency bias. Yeah. I I feel like they just couldn't decide which record belonged here more. So they're just like, let's just put them both. And they're literally three spots away from each other, which is slightly even lazier. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, the votes got split or something. Everyone <laughs> voted for a Constantine's record. Yeah. It was split between the two. Yeah. Great singles on the show. Young Lions, like Nighttime Anytime. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a, it's a great record. Number 26, Eric's Trip, Love Terra, 1993. Amen. Oh, yeah. Now 100%. Now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, love, love, love Eric's Trip. I got into them with Forever Again, uh, and then I had to go back to Love, Terra. I actually listened to it today, just, you know, leading up to this. Yeah, really, really incredible record. I actually kind of have to always revisit it to realize how awesome it is, and, you know, that just super lo-fi sound of of Eric Strip is just haunting. So, bravo. I want to say that Julie Dorian is probably, like, who you would consider the godmother of indie music. Jackson, I'll let you say it again. Her name is Julie Duaron. Come on. I hate saying her her last name as well because I know that's not it. I know. I've learned over the years that it's like not Dorian. It's Duaron. Okay. That makes complete yeah. sense. And the I's in a weird... that like pro- yeah. I've always pronounced it the way you pronounce it, Jackson, but the I is not in that spot and it is like a Canadian sort of... I'm assuming it's a French name. Okay. Oh shit! I like. Never... That's why I hate. I don't like saying her name because I I know I don't say her last name right. I can't believe it's it... been like twenty five years that you're the first person to tell me this. And and you know what else I would tell you if you had a booger in your nose, I'd also tell you just because because I'm I'm that guy. I want to help you out. Yeah, I was at a party once and I was talking to a guy I didn't know, and I had to interrupt him and tell him that there was like a thing of, of Coke on his sweater and I couldn't listen. <laughs> I couldn't listen to what he was saying because, because I was, he was too distracted by the Coke. I'm sorry because he was so coked up and super annoying. Your shirt is distracting me. 
Also, your conversation is super fucking fast and annoying, and I'm not even paying attention. <laughs> You're not making any sense, dude. Dude, you've been talking about Duran Duran for five minutes. Shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number 25, Metric. Old World Underground, Where Are You Now? Which is coincidentally the very first line on the record, which is pretty cool. This is 2003. I'm happy this is on this list. I think it's aged very well. And it was, uh, you know, pretty new uh, sound for the time, this kind of disco punk pop. I definitely played this record a lot. I thought it was really good front to back. Um, To me, it kind of ushered in a bit of a wave of rock music that had more keyboards in Canadian music, which I thought was kind of cool. I think there's a lot of bands that followed suit afterwards. Not in terms of like, hey, let's use keyboards, but, you know, radio actually playing them or them getting a little bit more popular. Okay, number 24, Neil Young, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, 1969. This is my top two, top three favorite Neil Young records. So, okay, we'll just go. (laughs) We'll get to it. (laughs) We'll get to it. Number 23, Hayden, Everything I Long For, 1995. Okay, Noyan, give me two minutes on Hayden. (laughs) All right, so I'm a huge Hayden fan. Um, This record uh, was really, really important to me as like a teenager, um, total bedroom recordings, uh, intimate lyrics about, you know, love lost and all that kind of stuff. Um, But if I was going to put a Hayden record on this top 50 list, it would not be this record. Um, if I could fit both of them on, that would be great. But um, I would put on Skyscraper National Park. That record is, to me, uh, a much better uh, record, fully formed, production-wise, song-wise. Uh, and I think that Hayden would probably agree, to be honest. I mean, this was always a favorite of mine. I was really happy to see it here. But uh, I am, sadly, not as familiar with his full discography. So I, I can't... Uh, argue for it over skyscraper national park number 22 blue rodeo again five days in july 1993 with their biggest hit i would assume hasn't hit me yet although i think was it five days in may is that the other single was also it wasn't as big as hasn't hit me yet but uh it was also a pretty big single but yeah this is obviously their biggest record so could you have eliminated the 1987 one and just put this one on uh, I don't know. It'd be hard just because Try is on that, that other one. You know, that's, I think it's a really important song. So it's, uh, it's a tough one. Gotcha. Number 21, The Tragically Hip, Day for Night, 1994. Yes. <laughs> I was a little torn on this one initially because there's, I mean, there's songs that I love on this record, you know, Grace 2 and uh, Nautical Disaster, and there are some other big singles. Um, as, a, as a full album, I was sort of like, you know, if, compared to sort of other tragically hip records or when you start considering, you know, how many of each artist we uh, are on this list, I was like, hmm. But I... I know that's probably a minority opinion. No, I'm fine with that. Day for Night, I think it was kind of their more breakout record, you know, when they had gone from being kind of a bar band 
into fully completely and then day for night was a little darker so um i feel like that got like a lot of play maybe i was just 14 and like really paying attention to much music at this point but <laughs> i thought well, I think Fully Completely was the breakout record, and this was the first record to come out after they became big, so the hype for it was huge. Right. So when it came out, everybody bought it, everyone listened to it to death. Good boy. What's What's unique about this record is, and I, I totally agree with what John just said, they kind of set they set it all up, and then it's they put this record out, and everyone was like so thirsty for it, right? But the strange thing is that not many of the songs are like what you would consider a typical single right like nautical disaster is is uh, is an amazing piece of art you know but i wouldn't if i was if i was a record executive sitting and listening to it i, I would there's other songs on here that probably would be more of a typical standard single so even like grace 2 also not a very typical single um so big bold moves with uh what i think is their most cohesive album they ever produced but you know what the you know now that i think about it this was a 1994 record think of the other things the other music that was coming out of that time we had you know nine inch nails hurt we had i'm thinking of like even other canadian artists like moist all their songs were like really kind of dark songs dark singles I think it fit in well with the culture at that point. If you if you think back to that moment in time, I think uh, as a record executive, I would have said, yeah, okay, let's go for it because this is what's happening right now. And it was actually a pretty smart move uh, uh, as the Tragically Hip to put out singles like that. It's definitely not fully, completely two. No. So respect. Yeah. I respect that very respectable and like listen to nautical disaster i don't even think that song has a chorus right like <laughs> it's that's that's what i mean like they they just did what they wanted to do and to me it worked so bravo number 20 leonard cohen songs of love and hate 1971 so our second leonard cohen record but another classic and uh yeah i think they both are uh, deserving of being on here that that seems like a kind of obvious thing to say in a way about leonard cohen sure um, i admit i was more familiar with songs of uh, leonard cohen than i was this one but when i listened to this one i was like yeah okay i can kind of see how it's ranked higher number 19 sarah mclaughlin fumbling towards ecstasy 1993 the only thing I want to say about this is that I'm surprised that it wasn't the album surfacing that was out later 90s with the way bigger singles. Uh, their choosing of this kind of confuses me, but still a solid record. I listened to it. I'm glad she's on here. Um, Sarah McLaughlin has to be on here, and I'm glad she's actually cracked the top 20. I'm sure that had this been... I, I didn't look at the 2000 list or anything, but I think that surfacing definitely would have been a Constantine style choice here mm -hmm. where you would have had fumbling towards ecstasy on number 19 and then surfacing would have been like number 24 or something like that. Right. Right. Cause I think the singles on them are, are both really, really great. Number 18 rush moving pictures, 1981 rush finally makes an appearance on this list. <laughs> With, uh, I would say, you know, a couple of their biggest singles off of this, uh, Limelight, YYZ. Tom Sawyer. This just 
Rush and this record are just so incredibly Canadian. It's just like maple syrup. I don't know, but it just it just sounds like Canada when I listen to Rush. It's a classic rock album. But yeah, the quality across the board of it is better than, say, um, the Guess Who record that was earlier. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a really good, really good point. Number 17, The Arcade Fire, 2004, self-titled debut. So this is a 2004 record uh, on a 2005 list. They made a bold choice putting this in the top 20. It's funny because in... Um, 2021, 17 almost seems low for this record, but <laughs> at the same time, it's it was so new. But I remember this album bursting out of the gate. Like it seemed like it was christened a classic the first time anyone heard it. This album is in, aged incredibly well. It has arguably their biggest song on it, "Wake Up." So you know, <laughs> pretty smart putting on uh, the top 20. No one's going to argue about this now. Obviously, anyone reading this list today would have probably put this in, you know, the top five. I think there was probably arguments at the chart office um, in terms of not having this be in the top ten, even though it came out like a year before. Yeah. I think it's it's that good, and it holds up. It makes a lot of sense. So this is uh, number seventeen. They're good for them. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. they're better than Sarah McLaughlin, <laughs> Leonard Cohen. Uh, Ryan Adams, like think yeah. think of all the all the classic records, the ones that have been out for decades, and yeah. this one just came out, and a lot of people believed it was it deserved to be higher. Yeah, the Rush message board just must have been on fire. <laughs> it <laughs> <Message> exploded. <board>. <laughs> <laughs> Number sixteen, smeared by Sloan, nineteen ninety two. I mean, as someone who may have gently and slightly disparaged navy blues earlier <laughs> yes very yes uh we are not just like grazing past this we're going to talk about sloan after this list is done and you'll find out why number 15 rush 2112 1976 sure i mean we're not really going to be able to like argue against any rush records uh this one is a very crazy record with a 20 minute long uh track one side one you know it's just a very accomplished record not something i can listen to every day but you know fine you know what are we, what are we gonna say like just argue over which other rush records are supposed to be on here my buddy who's uh, very much into rush was very happy when i told him i was listening to this record and moving pictures nice. all right at number 14 it's the band music from the big pink 1968 I mean, listening to it sort of for the first time, I confession, listening to it for the first time recently, I don't know. I wasn't necessarily sold on 14, I guess. I mean, I think maybe it's reputation boosts it. Yeah, Um, it's it's another thing that we'll talk about after this list is done. It's like kind of claiming Canadiana. And this is a huge, huge record for a lot of people. We, you know, really don't need to go into the history of the band, but, you know, they were the Dylan's backup band. Then they made their own band. They have big singles. A lot of people really love the band. So, you know, it's hard for me to argue against them being at number 14. Well, also, The Last Waltz is considered by many as the best concert film of all time as well. So the the weight of that and literally the weight of the song, The Weight, <laughs> probably 
<laughs> gave it its place on the top top 50 here. Yeah. Speaking of cocaine all over people's clothes, the last waltz. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Number 13, Sloan. One chord to another, 1996. I think we're all seeing a trend here, guys. <laughs> uh, Is this the, uh, the the top 20 Sloan songs, Sloan albums now? Yeah, yeah, we've gotten into that. Pretty much. Um, this record's really great. Um, I know that uh, there is definitely debate uh, as to this record over some of the other ones. Like some people might say the Navy Blues and Smeared are both better records. I think the songs on this are actually really great. My only problem with this record was that a lot of the songs sounded really... Um, it sounded like they were all produced the same way. Like in the, in the way that I would listen to like maybe... An, an Oasis record and I feel like every song is kind of produced the same way um, and that's not intentionally a dig on Oasis but I just thought they did much more creative and exciting things on the production of Navy Blues versus what they did with One Chord to Another which I love every song on it. You know we're, we're seeing uh, where again where Chart's allegiance lies to uh, their their music and what they like so 13 is a pretty pretty solid spot for one chord i was a little surprised to have it um to hear it suggested that you guys would rank navy blues above one chord to another but i'm uh not a sloan expert so i don't know what the I real thing i don't think i think i don't think i said that i don't think i don't okay. think that i'm saying that i think that i think that i like the songs if I had to vote, I'd say the songs are better on one chord to another, but I'd say that the production is better on Navy Blues. Interesting. Number 12, The New Pornographers, Mass Romantic 2000. Number 12 for this. little surprise. This is a bit of a surprise for me. I think you're about to say the same thing. I mean, this is a record I really like, and when I started this list and in my mentally was sort of like, oh, I hope I see X or Y or whatever, um, I didn't think of of this record and you're right this is surprisingly high um not that it necessarily doesn't deserve uh to be here um i think it kind of does um but yeah is it sort of like a critic's pick i mean yes these are all critics picks so <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but no whole... this has aged really well i think this was a good decision at the time, I probably would have been kind of shaking my head a little bit, but this record had had five years already. They could have made this decision. They 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 heard all the rest of these records already and could rank them against these ones. So I'm fine with this. I think like the title track and Letters from an Occupant were really really great songs, and I always considered these guys to be like the West Coast broken social scene with what with the the talent the turnstile nature of the talent that was in the band with like Dan Behar and Nico Case and AC Newman and everyone, right? So um, this might have been one of those choices where it's like, we need to have the new pornos on the list. Um, and I think that this record was getting so much spin at this time that it probably made a lot of sense. I don't know, like if they did, you know, maybe we'll get into it, but if, if, if you made a list in 2021, where would this be on this list, right? Yeah, 100. I don't know. I don't think it would be as high. Yeah, it might not be as high, but 
this is still a very unique record or a unique band. I really like their sound. They're not like just your standard guitar band. So I think this album, again, has aged incredibly well. And I'm, I'm glad. I, I, can, I can still say I can get behind this being in the top 20. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I like this record. Compared to other stuff that I really don't care about that's previous, I'm totally good with this being at number 12. And number 11. Billy Talent. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Billy Talent. <laughs> Billy No Talent. Number 11, Chaos. Joyful Rebellion 2004. 2004 record again. But uh, I think they made the right choice. Number 11. Number 11 for a 2004 record. It is a great record. And it is very unique on this list. I believe it is the only, is it the only hip hop record on this list? Yes, it is. It's, uh, it's the only hip hop record on this list. And it's, I don't even, it kind of fuses hip hop with a lot of different styles. So I right. wouldn't even go so far as to call it like a pure hip hop record. Mm-hmm. Even this is a very like FM friendly pastiche of sounds like i think that i listen to this record a lot and his first three records are actually really really good so i'm glad that he's on this list i think he's a very underrated artist overall and i think that he should have been even bigger i think that i don't know how big he got outside of canada but he was super talented and i loved how he just he kind of did what he wanted in terms of sound i'm gonna i'm gonna grab some cure samples i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that like he just did it very very well and cleanly Number 10, Rio Statics, Whale Music, 1992. This is one of my favorite records. I'm I'm really happy to see it here, and I think it does deserve uh, to be here. Yeah, I think it deserves to be in the top 10. Rio Statics, uh, as I said before, I think are like the godfathers of indie music in Canada. People are giant fans of this band. They really stood the test of time. They had already been around for what like 25 years almost by the time this record uh this uh list was made so it's pretty obvious that they would crack the top 10 number nine the band self-titled 1969 so here's our second band record in the top 20 i mean personally yeah i think this is a a better record than uh music from big pink and um or very that's a very personal opinion and i think my lukewarm reception to music from Big Pink was somewhat based on the fact that um, I think this is a better record. But it is ranked higher, so. Sure. Number eight, The Tragically Hip, fully completely 1993. So it's not like we have to argue about this at all. This was a great record, huge record in Canada. This is what really launched The Tragically Hip into the, the, the upper stratosphere. This was the beginning of them being Canada's big band. And this is definitely a record where, um, you know, for me in high school in the 90s, uh, liking the Tragically Hip was not a uh, cool thing to do because they were a very, very mainstream band in Canada. But eventually, as time went on, I just, I couldn't deny this album. I couldn't deny the singles on this album, the entire thing. And I was like, oh yeah, it's a classic. I'm totally with you, John. And this, this to me was one of the, the those, uh, it's not the band I hate, it's their fans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, there was a lot of like knuckleheads that, that were really like fist pumping in this band, but the songs are totally like locked in the trunk of a car, 100 meridian courage. Like they're just 
so fantastic you cannot help it and my favorite song is actually the title track that's one of my top three favorite hit tracks and beating this record out number seven lowest of the low shakespeare my butt all right this was a bit of a surprise i mean um salesmen thieves and liars was played a lot on the radio and this was a, a band that i'd heard of always but i had never gotten around to listen to this album and it is it is really good like it's the songs are really good seven is pretty ambitious for it yeah i agree i I think this band is totally great and you know they're kind of an important indie band in the history of canadian indie but seven a little ambitious but i'm not gonna slag on these guys I'd like to hear the backup story on, on, on that. Like, I, I never was really into this band either. I, I probably only knew the one or two singles, right? So to, to place them higher than fully completely and some of these other records is, to me, kind of surprising. Number six, The Weaker Thans. Left and Leaving, 2000. I, I listen to this record and I listen to J.K. Sampson's lyrics and I just think everybody else should just give up. <laughs> like... His lyrics are so incredible. <laughs> I find most lyrics in most bands really trite and stupid, and they're just putting them down just because they wanted to play guitar and make a band. Oh, my God, this poetry is amazing. Yeah, the Weaker Thans, uh, particularly this album or Fallow, were the two albums that um, when I started going through this list, I was like, oh, they better be on here somewhere. Um, you know, you can argue about six or not, but I think it's definitely deserving. I think it's deserving. You know, if I was being like super objective, I could have put it uh, a little higher on this list. I think beating out Rush records and stuff like that, I think would, you know, put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. But me personally, I am fine with it being number six. Number five, Neil Young, After the Gold Rush, 1970. I'd say this is my favorite Neil Young record. So number five. I'd say the same thing. My favorite Neil Young record. I'm sure most, a lot of people's probably favorite Neil Young record. Uh, the whole record is is perfect. Um, the production, the songwriting, like the length, the length of some of the songs is perfect. How how short and uh, concise and lean they are. Um, this is just a fantastic record. I'm so glad it's at least number five. It should have been higher. I have a theory that we'll get back to very soon that this is the kind of quote-unquote cool best neil young record number four broken social scene you forgotten people 2003 on a 2005 list actually i think it was 2002 wasn't it i thought this album came out in 2002 but john knows my feelings about broken social scene uh, I and it, it was another. I just I avoided this band a lot in the 2000s. I liked their music, but at the same time, I thought the band members were kind of annoying and full of themselves, and just kind of a scene in a band that was obsessed with themselves. So I really avoided them. I did listen to this record like in its entirety leading up to this, and this record is really incredible. Uh, so I can. I can get behind, especially today, I can get behind this being at number four. I think this is a massive stretch uh, in 2005. Kind of like Funeral, 
Um, I think when this album landed, it wasn't immediate with this record, I don't think. Within a year of it coming out, it had blown up, both in Canada and I think in the States. And I think it's a really important record for Canadian bands being able to make it in the States. Yeah, I mean, you can argue with the recency bias for whether or not it's too soon to put it in the top five, to put it in the four spot. I'm not sure that it was. It's that good a record. Uh, I think that it deserves to be in the top 10. Um, it definitely put Canadian indie music on a global map um, in a totally original way. Uh, on a side note, I totally remember in 2002, I was on, I'm, I'm that big of a Hayden fan, I was on a Hayden message board and some anonymous post said, just wait until the broken social scene record comes out. Wow. And that okay. was like, yeah, and I was like, "What's broken social scene?" And then the record came out, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, it's and just it's just that good, um, and the amount of talent that's in that band, um, it's just so dense. I mean, we obviously now know that that anonymous post was Kevin Drew. So <laughs> sure I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it, but I was wondering it. I'm like, who was that anonymous post? <laughs> <laughs> if he said. If he said, I love Toronto in the same post, <laughs> I think that it would have been either him or Drake. So Yeah. No, Drake, too too young for him. But uh, yeah, Kevin Drew was definitely behind his his big old desktop in Parkdale, just typing on message boards. Wait till my band comes out. <laughs> Number three, Joni Mitchell Blue, 1971. I mean, 100%. Joni Mitchell is Joni Mitchell again. She's just in the upper stratosphere, upper echelon of like the greatest artists of all time, and she's Canadian. You know, we have to claim her. And uh, number three is a beautiful spot for Joni Mitchell. Couldn't agree more. Number two, Neil Young, Harvest, 1972. So we've got five Neil Young records on this list. So when I said that, I thought after the gold rush was the cool pick for best neil young record this like i remember growing up and this record was like everywhere it was like the biggest record and it seemed to be his his most popular record it, it's a spectacular record but it wasn't necessarily like the cool neil young sure it was sort of the uh um it was the neil young record your your parents loved at that time it's a strange record for me like it has some of the best songs he ever wrote but i always thought that just the inclusion of um live recordings in it and studio recordings kind of mixed together just kind of messed up the flow a little bit but um i know that people will dislike that i said that uh <laughs> it's really really great and i think that based on like going back to john's john's comment about this this was the popular record after the gold rush was the cool record and then if you're really really cool then you were into tonight's the night and on the beach so it's got all these different layers of coolness and then if you're super cool then you like trans <laughs> oh, oh, yeah i mean that was cool's word for that but yeah no this was like the nice this was like nice nice neil this was the Neil you the, you could play that your parents played and uh, you could have on at home, but then you know you'd go into your bedroom and put on the Rocky Crazy Horse Neil. 
And even though your dad, like, he loved Crazy Horse Neil when he was younger, but now he's like transitioned into Harvest Neil. That should have been the on the on a press kit. And we've arrived at number one, Sloan, twice removed, 1994. Never heard of it. <laughs> I mean, of Such all a... the Sloan records, um, yeah, I'd vote for this one. It's interesting listening to it now because, you know, there's the whole legend about it, about the fact that it wasn't smeared to DGC, didn't care for it, and sort of didn't bother with it, yada, yada, yada. But it's fascinating how it does kind of like it fault it sounds like a good follow-up to smear. The sound the songs and the song styles are still very similar. And compared to a lot of the records that came after that, you know, have more sort of varying types of classic rock songs and production, this still has kind of like a a, a rough edge to it like it's like they didn't turn off the distortion they just turned it down a bit and dropped some of the shoegaziness which was an inevitable change i mean shoegaze was you know already on, on, on its way out grunge was you know had happened was still happening but it wasn't going to last that much longer sloan just made a, a very ahead of their time decision to make this record which is why it has aged so well, because no one was doing this Beatles type of stuff in 1994. They were all trying to be like Bush and Pearl Jam and these type of bands. So they are making this decision was an incredibly bold one, but it ultimately it really worked. Maybe if it didn't work at the time, that's too bad, but... It, it didn't end up being just one of these kind of post-grunge, post-shoegaze bands, albums that just got lost in the mix. Can I ask you guys, I mean, we've gone through this whole list now, what do you think about Sloan twice removed being number one? How do you feel about it? Well, someone's got to be number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, that doesn't sound I'm very enthusiastic. Kidding. I love Sloan. I'm just joking. Yeah, and I mean, my fine doesn't sound very enthusiastic, but... Um... It's more just trying to sort through how much of me supporting that album being number one is is uh, objective and not sub subjective because uh, subjectively, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not my personal favorite Canadian record of all time, but yeah, as as arguably the best, certainly at that time, sure. I think it's way more interesting for them to be the number one record than most of the other. I, this would be a less interesting list if it was Harvest being number one. Yeah. If Even if it was Broken Social Scene number one, people would be like, why? Like, they would be like, it doesn't deserve it yet. It's It only came out two years ago. I don't know. I think that, that Sloan Twice Removed captures a, a lot of different things all at once. Um, but it, it's really hard to say what is the, the best Canadian album of all time. It, that's really tough, but it's definitely a more interesting choice than than some of these other ones. Well, it's, one thing about it is, you know, I think Jackson. I think you referenced sort of what makes a record Canadian. Yeah, let's talk and about that. Especially when you look at 
sort of Neil Young and you look at Sloan, and especially Twice Removed, I think there's something that... Because the story of Twice Removed is that they were a band that was on an American label. They were trying to sort of make it in America. And then this record is basically only loved in Canada. Right. I mean, that's not necessarily true. I'm sure there's people outside of Canada who love it. But um, in terms of like considering it a classic album, that's a very Canadian thing to love twice removed. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, these are is another band that never left Canada. They got signed to DGC in 1992. At the time, Nirvana was on DGC. I mean, these guys got signed out of Halifax, Nova Scotia onto arguably the biggest record label at the time. It had every huge act. It had Nirvana on it for fuck's sakes. Probably and the coolest uh, major label at the time. Absolutely. And never left Canada. They stayed here. They didn't move to L.A. I don't know if they ever had plans to. I don't know if they eventually would have if they had blown up, but they never left. And they stayed here. And that's what made them so unique where you look at other albums and artists on this list. I don't know if we want to get into this this fast, but Neil Young. Neil Young moved to the States when he was in his very early 20s. He pretty much had his entire career there. Neil is basically an American recording artist, but we claim him as Canadian. He's got five records on this list. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my first instinct when you kind of mentioned the question, uh, when we were first talking about doing this list and you mentioned the question of what makes a Canadian record, I mean, my first instinct was things like, okay, obviously, uh, did Canadians make it? That's the obvious one. And then there's, you know, was it written in Canada? Was it recorded in Canada? Um, What was the reaction or the reception in Canada? But I guess it's those two big ones is you look at, especially in the sort of 60s and 70s, when I think it was much more likely for an artist to leave Canada and go to New York, go to L.A. So you've got Leonard Cohen, you know, even Joni Mitchell, uh, the band, who pretty much all of those records were, I think, made uh, in the States. Just following that thought, what makes it Canadian? Whether you, you stayed in Canada or you left Canada, I think that if you grew up in Canada, you you incubated in Canada, like, you had all your experiences in Canada and learned how to play your instrument and learned how to write songs and had all your experiences. I think that's really what makes you Canadian. If you left Canada and you went to LA and hired a bunch of Americans to play your songs for you and American producers and everything, I think that's fine, but it's still you and your you're bringing everything that you amassed over decades um, with you. So it'd be better and even more pure, obviously, if you just were always in Canada creating your art for Canadians. But um, I totally think that we can still claim Neil Young and a few other artists as our own. Yeah, I think that's the real answer. I mean, I think some of the other things are just sort of the things I mentioned are more kind of petty about 
you know, the record as a whole and its making. But at the end of the day, if the art, if the songs are reflecting, um, you know, the experience of a Canadian. Sure. But I think there's Canadian and then there's Canadian. And I think when we're talking about this, it's kind of, we kind of have to talk about decades a little bit too, because if we go back to Neil Young, there was really no, he would not have the career he has if he had not gone to the States. It's pretty much where you had to go. And I mean, a lot of people still would consider this, you know, making it is going to LA and being an American film star, music star. There's been a lot more opportunity in the past 30 years or so to be a big Canadian star. Uh, and people who like like the Tragically Hip, uh, you know, like became Canada's band. And then we have other bands that were especially moving to like the 2000s with bands like Metric and DFA and these sorts of acts really made a solid, solid career in Canada and didn't really have to move out. I feel like the borders were just a little looser back then. You know, it was just like we didn't really consider Neil moving to L.A. that un-Canadian. Now it seems very divided between like America and Canada uh, a lot more since then. So, I mean, I would still, I'm still always going to claim Neil Young as a Canadian artist. He was here until he was 20 and, you know, he's done all his music there, but there's no denying. And he would not deny it either. He was, it's not like he's ever turned his back on Canada. So it's all about the, the story of each individual artist. Like, you know, it, what his trajectory with Buffalo Springfield played into that. I know that a large percentage of these artists had they, if they had the choice to make it in the U.S. in addition to making it in Canada, they would say yes, of course, right? Um, and a lot of like the hip tried very hard to make it in the U.S. and there's very little traction there, like maybe some of the northern states, but they they were truly Canadians band, Canada's band, and even more so because. <laughs> the the u.s market didn't really um you know grasp them as strongly right so they, they didn't I have a choice about it i think it's also a very canadian conversation to have about like how um defending canadiana against uh, from the states you know the having having american culture encroach or take uh, Canadians from us is something that we're, I think there's a natural sort of defensiveness there. Sure. Can I say something controversial about the Tragically Hip? That the reason they never made it in the States, in my opinion, is that they just weren't a cool band. And not that you have to be super cool, but the Hip just never really had that like it factor to just separate them from another band. They were always just a bar band that just got bigger and bigger and bigger and had better ideas and better recordings. But I just, I watched that Saturday night live footage of them and I just thought, could someone have got them a stylist? Like <laughs> I look at the cover well, of, of up to here, which is 1989. And I look at them in 1995. These guys were the exact same guys. They still had 80s hair. They're wearing vests and puffy shirts. I'm like, Someone could have gotten the. They were in New York for God's sake. It should have been that day. Hey, we're getting that Metallica uh, makeover for you guys today. <laughs> like, well, it's true, and it it's sort of the. Um, I'm, I joke sometimes about like small small town Ontario, 
where in a lot of ways Ontario is really just a small town and there's six degrees of separation between every single person uh, living in Ontario. And I think maybe uh, in Canada, there's more of an appreciation for guys who look like they could just be guys from down the street or at the bar. Right. On. Um, we didn't need kind of style to have uh, this band to uh, marketed to us. So apparently not. It's authenticity, right? It, I think that a quick way to like lose some of your loyal fan base is to be inauthentic at some point and then be deemed potentially as a sellout, right? So I don't know if that plays into it, but I don't think the hip ever really did anything that I would consider selling out. And no. that's probably why they have such a loyal fan base. You know, they played Woodstock 99. They played SNL. Now, having gone through this entire list, guys, we see the decade breakdown. There was 13 records in the 2000s. There was 19 in the 90s. Uh, so very heavy uh, in the, in the 90s and 2000s. You know, to be honest, I, I feel like that's where Canadian music really blossomed uh, in those decades. Uh, but we produce really, really amazing stuff. I feel like the 60s, 70s, 80s, like, again, we're like claiming artists that had moved to the States at this point. 90s and 2000s is really where we had artists that had stayed in Canada, were big in Canada, that we loved. But having said that, who do you think should have been on this list that wasn't? Because, again, we have five Neil Young records. We have three Tragically Hip records. You know, all valid picks, but did we really need to have all of them on? It's not like we're going to debate that, you know, any of those Neil Young records were not good and didn't deserve to be on this list, but... But did they need to be on here in lieu of some other great records that we personally like? Let's start off with let's start off with some personal picks. John, who do you have? There's two that came to mind. One's extremely personal. Um, I'll mention uh, Monine Theory of Harmonial Value, which is one of my favorite records. That would be on my um, list too, John. And then there's also uh, Propagandi, Less Talk, More Rock, is another one of my favorite records. Now it's you know. When we came across Billy Talent, obviously a huge record, we kind of made it clear neither of us were very fond of it. Um, and it did get me wondering in terms of like, you know, punk, emo. When I referenced, when I asked the question, is this the best we could do? It was sort of in reference to these other sort of favorites that I had. Um, I also made me wonder, this wasn't this wasn't a band I ever really listened to, but uh, Alexis on Alexa's on fire. I'm almost surprised they weren't on there. That's a good um, point. I'm very surprised that they weren't on there. I could have, again, I am not an Alexis on fire fan, but I could have easily replaced them with Billy Talent. And given that we saw so many records that were brand new records at the time, and Alexis on fire had already made it onto the radio, it's not like they were just kind of like in the shadows and gaining popularity. They They had already gained a good following i'm really surprised alexis on fire didn't make it on here i also want to call it uh teenage head yeah uh i'll add to that too if we're talking about punk i'm really surprised that doa hardcore 81 is not on here or any hard doa record but for sure hardcore 81 i think it's a seminal hardcore record uh it was around for the dawn of hardcore 
there's not that many uh, hardcore, like really classic hardcore records from that era. And we had one from Canada. I'm, I can't believe that No Means No went on, but they couldn't have included DOA. Uh, another two records that um, are personal favorites of mine that I would argue probably should have been on uh, Science Fear Somnium. Um, 1995, um, I think it's a very unique record in Canada in terms of being uh, like a shoegaze album. Um, interestingly, one of the blurbs, I forget which record, but Sean Ramsey from Science Fear actually wrote one of the blurbs, uh, but I think his record should have been on here. Um, and then another, Godspeed You Black Emperor, Lift Your Skinny Fists Like Antenna to Heaven. I, like, in 2005, that should have been on this list i'm looking at the, the way the list is constructed i'm not shocked it was missed but i am shocked it was missed to be honest i mean at this point that album had so much critical acclaim it had a solid fan base i mean you know when we're when we're talking about like there's you know, there's a lot of great records in canada but there's not there's not records like that at all and that has stood the test of time and I'm really shocked that they could put on, you know, like new pornographers, but not put on that. Maybe that was just a little too different, but at the same time, this this list is really slanting towards like interesting indie. So how that didn't make it on this list, I don't know. I think the answer is that it's very slanted towards songwriters and songs. I mean, it, they were an instrumental band. Um, and despite whatever you can say about how, you know, critically acclaimed they were about how, you know, I think they had a following that was outside of Canada at that time as well. Um, you know, they're not, they're not songwriters in the traditional sense. And that's my only explanation as to how. Yeah, I think these lists are just not geared towards, um, those bands that kind of play outside of the lines a little bit. Um, and they they did that and had a, a great uh, niche following. But I don't know, maybe they were number 51. Who knows? Well, I definitely could have um, bumped out Matthew Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Load Me Up is a good track. I don't know. I know. It's very, um, very Canadian. I absolutely clumsy would have bumped. I would have bumped clumsy <laughs> for uh, any one of these. I don't think clumsy deserved to be on this list at all. <laughs> despite how big it is but yeah oh sorry yeah i definitely could have lost uh billy no talent for this so yeah um i have a couple of tracks like uh, these aren't necessarily like my favorite albums but there's definitely a few albums that i thought why i'm surprised that they're not on there first off maestro fresh west Symf symphony in full effect that is kind of like a gimme like one of the most popular uh, Canadian hip-hop albums of all time. Uh, I, I don't know why it's not on here. It, it it doesn't deserve to be like number 48 or something like that. I thought that maybe it could be in maybe in the 20s or something. Um, so that definitely has a place. And I'm also not a massive country music fan and this artist kind of fused country and pop music, but shocked that Shania Twain's not on here either with her her debut record right i'm not shocked that it's not on here because we can we obviously see the slant to this list we're talking about claiming huge canadian artists 
it's 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 a weird you know argument to put it on this list, but I I could I could agree with you. I could put it on. I think I agree more about the first argument where that obviously this is a chart magazine top fifty, right? I get that. So they're gonna they're gonna kind of this is the stuff that we listen to, right? Um, so I totally understand that. But that said, I still think that the maestro definitely uh, you know cross genre in terms of popularity, and that that had a place on here too. I think some of the other records um, that could have been visible here in some way or like uh, like caribou could have been on here i think that would have been totally appropriate uh he definitely made some some a big impact in terms of the style of music that he was performing um another one that i know a few of my friends are, would probably like burn this magazine for for not <laughs> having <laughs> any sort of uh presence is uh, wolf parade um yeah Wolf Parade, apologies uh, to the Queen Mary. Um, I, I have friends that probably would put that in the top 20 albums of, of all time. It's strange. Uh, and I know it's, it's very hard to make everyone happy with these kind of lists, um, for sure. But those were ones that I definitely noticed were absent, for sure. What about Bare Naked Ladies Gordon? Could you put that on yeah, this list? I- that one was one I can't believe. I should have mentioned that one first. Um, well, it's not, I mean, it's not a personal favorite album of, yeah, album me of neither. mine. But in terms of albums that I was surprised, Borderline Shock wasn't on that list at all. Um, you know, that one in particular, as a big Rio Statics fan and a big fan of whale music, it was interesting going back listening to Gordon because they're both very eclectic bands Mm -hmm. and i kind of wondered despite the fact that gordon has some absolutely classic canadian songs that it also has some jokey songs Mm -hmm. and i wonder if that in terms of the eyes of the people at that time the eyes of the people who were putting together this list whether that held it back yeah for sure and it's funny because you know it's funny because Bare Naked Ladies, they've always been that sort of jokey band, but they've always been a really big band. They've got a lot of huge singles that we certainly knew in Canada, and they crossed the border, too. They were a big band in the States. They did the theme song for Big Bang Theory. Like, everyone in America knows these guys. I'm really surprised that they couldn't be on this list because I feel like they're being maybe a little bit snotty not putting them on this list. And I could see Noyen's point, like putting Shania on is sort of like, you know, maybe recognizing that person, but then it's almost like going into the sphere of like Celine Dion. Like we probably wouldn't see her on this list, but again, a gigantic, gigantic Canadian artist that's known around the world. I'm yeah. I can't believe that bare naked ladies couldn't make it to this list they couldn't have bumped someone else they could have bumped one leonard cohen record uh and put bare naked ladies on yeah i totally agree with that i uh, you know if if you can have the humor of um shakespeare my butt on here then it probably makes sense to have uh, the bare naked ladies on here and they they definitely are are one of the more important I don't like using the word, but people would be like, they're legendary. They People would probably say that about the Bare Naked Ladies now, right? So, 
it's it's definitely a, a weird absence. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot like I didn't name as well. Like you can name the Inbreds, Combinator. Um, you know, you get into like bands like The Odds. You know, there's a lot of Canadian indie bands. I know. Uh, from the 90s and 80s. 5440. Oh yeah, 5440. Treble Charger. Yeah. yeah. Like I could have put Combinator on there. I could have put Treble Charger NC17 on there, or maybe just the one right after with even Grable on it. Um, that's self equals title. Yeah, yeah. Is that an EP? Maybe that's it an is. EP. Yeah, yeah. Well, another thing that I'd also t- like to take a look at um, is uh, Polaris Prize have their list of Heritage Prize winners, and it's an interesting list because it there's a lot of overlap between this, but there's some interesting inclusions that um, aren't present in the chart list. So, okay, so for the Polaris Heritage Prize winners, there's Jagged Little Pill, Lannis Morissette, um, and that was sort of inducted in 2018. Um, Arcade Fire, Funeral, Blue Rodeo, Five Days in July, Broken Social Scene, You Forgot It in People, Bruce Coburn, Stealing Fire. That was someone that I was somewhat surprised not to see anywhere on the chart list. You know, this album uh, I've listened to a couple of times. It's good. It's it's solid. I mean, the only real standout song is Lovers in a Dangerous Time. Right. Maybe that's uh, it. Yeah. And then uh, continuing with the list, uh, Cowboy Junkies, The Trinity Session. DOA, Hardcore 81. Yep. So they've got it here. And then uh, Dream Warriors. And now the legacy begins. So you mentioned uh, yeah. Maestro Fresh West earlier. I, w- I was ab- I was gonna say that earlier. I'm I'm I could have definitely put that on this list. That's an excellent record. You know the history of Canadian hip hop is I don't know if we can talk about it. Uh, you know with the expertise that other people could have, but obviously hip hop is dominated out of the states. We certainly have had our scene, but I could have easily put Dream Warriors on. I think like that record's from 30 years ago and it still holds up. It's beautiful. So they've got uh, Eric Strip, Love Terra, Feist, Let It Die, um, Chaos, Joyful Rebellion, Joni Mitchell, Blue, uh, Leonard Cohen, Songs of Leonard Cohen, Neil Young, everybody knows This Is Nowhere, and After the Gold Rush, the two Rush albums we talked about, Twice Removed, The Band, Fully Completely. Then they also have, so there's Glenn Gould, Oh, okay. Bach, the Goldberg Variations, which, you know, obviously not any kind of rock record, but very classic Canadian. Um, Gordon Lightfoot. He's definitely uh, a miss that we didn't mention earlier. He should have been on there, too. Kid Koala, Carpal Tunnel Syndrome, which I'm actually surprised I completely forgot about, that I should have mentioned myself. Peaches. And this Ah. is someone else who actually did, Peaches did um, a blurb. For the chart list. Yeah, for sure. But her Teaches of Peaches was not included. The Oscar Peterson trio, Night Train. And then there's also uh, a number of sort of non-English acts, like French acts. Um, Harmonium, Jean-Pierre Ferland, and Lassa de Sela. Probably not pronouncing that right. Which, that, I mean... One of the takeaways for me from this uh, heritage list, and it's interesting with Polaris, is that, you know, it's a very, the chart list, very Anglo, very songwriters, very rock. And when you consider that it's 2005, 
This is right before social media. This is uh, the Polaris Prize itself starts, I think, the next year. And this list kind of feels like one of the last gasps of that Anglo, white Anglo-centric uh, kind of music criticism in Canada. Because now the Polaris Prize has, and I think all music criticism in Canada, has tried to diversify a lot more since then. And I think if you uh, tried to assemble a list of 50 greatest Canadian albums now, it wouldn't look anything like this. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine even, this is 2005, you wait another 10 years when you get into like 2015 and we have Drake, who is the biggest artist in the world. Like he would have been all over this list. They, w- they couldn't have ignored that. I mean, he would have been bumping out Neil Young records for sure. And now you've got The weekend. I think he just played the Super Bowl, did he? Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this, this list is very much, I think, an artifact of its time and probably one of the last of its type to sort of be constructed in for this sure. way. The latest Polaris Prize winner, Backwash, who is a Zambian Canadian transgendered artist? That shows how far we've come. Exactly. I think in the in the last uh, twenty five years. That's all. I, that's all I really oh, want to point out. Fifteen. Yeah. I can't count. Fifteen years. <laughs> I am twenty five years. I think it just shows like Polaris has always been really really good at just finding, you know, their mandate is finding what the best Canadian record is despite record sales um and and awarding it right like ever since the beginning they've been awarding french artists like carquois or um owen pallet it's it's just it's it's very diverse it does not rely on focusing on a, a particular genre either and that's there that's why it's so different like chart magazine in 2005 is exactly that it's an artifact of a specific time focusing on on a specific demographic. No, absolutely. And I mean, they obviously had their opinion and they had their readership and they knew exactly what agenda they wanted to push uh, for music criticism. And not to say that this list was bad either. I mean, this is still a great Canadian list. There's excellent artists that we all loved on here. So, I mean, I think it's like the good with the bad. They're, they're, they could have included uh, a lot more diversity and they could have included a lot more um, I think there was a good female representation on this list. Certainly not great, but at least they did recognize a lot of excellent female talent. Again, like even including another Sarah McLaughlin record, another huge artist. If they included, you know, two Leonard Cohen records, they could have put two Sarah McLaughlin records on here easily. I don't know if I'd agree that surfacing is as good as either of those Leonard Cohen records, but hey. We, no one is going to disagree that every, almost every Neil Young record in the 70s is good. So, I mean, we could have taken off one of those. And, Maybe another interesting well, version of this list would have been if each artist could only have one record yeah, on the yeah. list. Right? Yeah. And then it would give a lot more room for other artists. Or even Including two. one that I forgot. It, which is the unicorns, which is one of my favorite records mm-hmm. from the early two thousands. Yeah, who will cut our hair when we're gone is an amazing record from beginning to end. I would have put that on here. 
One, I think one thing about the list and, you know, Noyan, you kind of mentioned about um, Polaris Prize and um, finding kind of diverse, smaller artists, not just necessarily the biggest selling ones uh, to celebrate. And this does feel like there was a bit of struggle about like, well, this is a classic album or this has this classic single on it. I mean, even talking about Gordon, like, you know, is it is, is part of my um, affection for it just based on two or three songs that, you know, I have had in my head that have been omnipresent since that album came out? I mean, is it a great album beyond those? You know, I think you could probably ask that of several of these albums. So in a way that I think now, if nowadays, I think critics, if they were to make a list about this, it would be more about, I think, musical accomplishment and diversity than uh, sales or classic status. Yeah, that's a very good point. It really shows how far culture and that sort of, thinking has grown in 15 years it's not something that would have been like at the top of everybody's list uh to include but now you couldn't make a list like this anymore you people would shit all over you they wouldn't be like you you didn't put this rush record on it would be way more an argument about diversity and gender like a lot of these records it's not necessarily that they're similar but they all neil young 70 records 70s records up against you know tragically hip it's it's similar stuff yeah um, 100 you know and you can even go carry on into the constantines like it's it's not uh it is not a varied list if you like this kind of music then you're gonna like this list oh right? yeah that's oh, yeah. that's that's really what it's saying and like, we like and see a jeremy dutcher on here you know <laughs> and we generally right? like this kind of music but um you know Having chaos and no other hip hop, uh, no. Even it's I think weird. even in two thousand five that didn't cut it. No, that was really stupid. Yeah. And even those artists that you mentioned, John, like Kid Koala or something like that, like could have easily made this list and they didn't. So, again, you, you're you, that was a very good point. Like talking about Neil Young, who is obviously like the godfather of grunge and like that sort of people consider him that like, I mean, that music just carried on and carried on and carried on and it carried on to again, the tragically hip and then into the Constantines and then, you know, so many other things in this list, like just very rock centric guitar music, not a lot of diversity in the choices of, I mean, it's not like that. I really needed to put Glenn Gould on this list, but I mean, this is an indie list essentially, but yeah, it could have, they could have easily included uh, more like hip hop slanted artists, like a, especially like the Dream Warriors. I couldn't say like, you know, Cardinal Fischel for sure or something like that or Rascals possibly. But yeah, they, they could have made some better choices. I think, the choices the end, I think in the end it, it felt and this isn't this isn't meant as a huge knock on it, but it felt more like 2005's our favorite Canadian records of all time. Yeah, and our Canadian, our favorite Canadian rock band albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it could have been a little bit more specific there with, but you know they're saying chart their logos right there in the middle of the centerfold top fifty Canadian albums of all time. They could have just put the word by chart. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> and just made it like less of a statement, you know, being like, these are definitively the best 50 Canadian albums of all time, right? These are, these are our opinions. And maybe that's our 2021 lens on a 2005 list, you know, cause we're a little bit more, um, you know, op- optically sensitive about these things. Right. But I think even in 2005, you know, I don't feel bad about us doing this, uh, having this whole conversation because, uh, you know, you you uh, you lay down, you lay down the hammer with uh, these are the best. It's going to get debated later. I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad debating this list because hey, they're the one who 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 printed it. Yeah, yeah the, <laughs> you know, the Click Chart Magazine invented clickbait, obviously, in 2005 with this with this magazine. So. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that's a good place to end. What do you guys think? I think we made uh, every point that we could possibly make about this list now. We've kind of beat it to death, and it's gone up and down. We love, we've loved it. We've hated it. Oh, I'm sure we can make more points, but uh, <laughs> then we're just getting petty and uh, revisionist. And I'll also say that like, I do not envy Chart Magazine trying to make a top 50 Canadian albums of all time list. You know, this is really, really hard. Um and I'm sure that there was a lot of arguments from, I wonder what the long list was like for this, right? Like how big Yikes. was the long list? I know. Like that must've been insane. Right. So I'm sure most of the records that we probably mentioned were on the long list of like 600 records. Right. So yeah, um, it like one, it's a very cool be, list. There's going to be at least one writer from this list. If they hear this, we'll name one record that was left off and they'll be like, that was the one. That was the one I was arguing for. Yeah. And there was that one Number senior 51. writer who just like would not let Billy Talent go. Like, no, no, this is my, this is my veto. It's going on. So yeah, I mean like music is built around lists. I mean, it's always going to be debated. I mean, you, you make these lists and they're just meant to either piss people off or everybody agree with them or somewhere in between which is pretty much what this was i'm gonna leave off the uh billboard list uh this ep- this episode because we just did a giant top 50 list there's no point in talking about what was number one in 2005 so i'm i'm breaking uh tradition right now but i think uh i think it has to happen so on that note i'm gonna say good night to you guys Thanks so much, John and Noyen, coming out. I uh, really, really enjoyed talking with you guys about this. It was a real pleasure talking about all this incredible Canadian music. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Cheers, guys. Thank you. It is Algeria, and my city is I will note that Caribou Swim was 2010. So wouldn't oh, qualify. Shit. Which record would would I? Well, he put out there was Up in Flames, the Manitoba, which was originally Manitoba. Yeah, I was gonna say Manitoba. he was Manitoba at the time. Uh, yeah. So what I say doesn't really make sense. But I would. But Up in Flames I, was a good record. Can you can you do a voiceover of what that one section is yeah. and have your voice just pop in and say, Mister Black, Up in <laughs> Up in Flames, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Black? Yeah, that's great, Simpsons. <laughs>